0: Grace is, one of the definitions for grace is unmerited favor. Feel the anointing right now. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your help today as we get into your word. God, that your spirit of wisdom and revelation, God, would rest both on me and upon the hearers, Lord, today. God, I thank you that your word is eternal. That your word is eternal. It's your word. You've spoken it. And, and uh, when we get into it, you breathe upon it. You reveal it to us. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your ability to reveal, even as we hear, at a depth that's beyond what's being communicated. So I thank you for that spirit of wisdom and revelation that's at work here with us today. Holy Spirit, we love you. We welcome you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be looking into 2 Corinthians 3. It was, to be really honest with you, it was kind of difficult to narrow down just... I was flooded with with Scripture when I was getting into this topic. And so we could have put a message together just reading one Scripture after another. And how many know that would be a great, be a great message? Um, but uh, we're going to move on a little bit today. We've, we've spent a few weeks... Um, on the topic of basically the theme has been our identity, right? The fact that we are created in Christ as a new creation, right? We're we're his masterpiece, his one of a kind, right? We talked last week a little bit about how we can all be his favorite because we're so uniquely designed. And that in that Ephesians verse that... uh, there is purpose in our design. That you're perfectly designed for these works that you are to walk in. That's amazing because um, every human being needs purpose in order to thrive. You can survive without purpose. Kind of, You can live. You can survive. You can make it from day to day, grinding it out. But But you never thrive like the fountain that you're created to be until you get in touch with your true identity in Christ. And how many of you know that's the only place you can find it? Right? The, the understanding of the design is always with the designer. Amen. Right? So, so if I was a sculptor and I sculpted this beautiful vase or vase, depending on how... Uh, you know, I don't know. Shanna might say vase. Do you say vase? No, she says vase. Maybe you're a commoner like me. And so um, and so uh, it's amazing. So uh, but if I was to shape this beautiful piece of pottery, a masterpiece, a one of a kind or or if I was to paint a beautiful oil painting uh, and and, you know, and then there was there was meaning behind it. Like when I did that, there was something in my heart that was being expressed as the artist. And all the people and all the art specialists, even the the experts could get around that piece of art and and they could say, well, I see the shade of blue here and the way the strokes are. And and this is what that means. But how many know those are all guesses? Until the designer, him or herself, begins to explain this is what was in my heart when I created this masterpiece. And how many you know anybody who disagrees with the designer? Well, they're the ones that wrong. That are wrong, right? The designer knows, and and so in that same way, you are this masterpiece. You and I, this masterpiece, this one of a kind artwork, this this uh, this creation designed with a purpose. And so the first thing that happens is we have an encounter with our creator. And the more we encounter our Creator, we begin to understand the creation, ourselves. Right? We know we know who we are because we know whose we are. We understand the One who made us. And the more we look into His eyes, and, and the more He speaks to us and reveals Himself, the more... It's amazing. We get a revelation of God, but in that, somehow... We begin to understand more about who we are, because who we are can only truly be understood in relation to God. (laughs) That's a good word. And um, and so we're going to we're going to get into this verse. We're going to read the Bible. But but let me say this and start. Here's the statement I'd like to open with. We're called by God and we are given access and an invitation to come and gaze on him. One of the verses that I wanted to use today was that and I'll just mention it to you. It says that uh, it talks about holiness or sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. And the verse, the word there in that verse is to gaze upon with open eyes. It's amazing when you really understand what's in God's heart for our relationship with him, that it's not just like I got the rule book. I got the manual. Right. And I am it's going to follow the letters in there. Amen. This is the living word of God. Right. If if it's if it contradicts this, it's not true. This this is the word of God. Right. But. This reveals really this whole book, this word of God, that's God breathed. It says all scripture is God breathed and useful. Right. That's this book. But it reveals Christ to us, who is the Word, the Living Word. All right, and so we're invited. It says with this holiness, with this process of sanctification, which really is the renewing of the mind to understand our nature that we that we're born with when we were born again. Right? Okay. A child who is born isn't becoming a human. They're a human. But they're unlocking all that that means as they grow. Same way in the Spirit. So, to be transformed, to gaze on Him, to be transformed as we behold Him. And as we behold Him, we begin to radiate, emanate who He is to the world around us. As I find out who He is, I find out more about who I am. And we also were getting into. Uh, <laughs> love you, Jim. I also, also, we've been getting into the Peter verse about how we're a royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for his own possession. And then there's purpose in that. And those two verses, we've we really been camping in for about three, four weeks. They'll be on the podcasts. And, um, and so please get those. Check them out if you missed them. Today, we're going to move on in the same vein. Um, But let's read this verse together. 2 Corinthians 3. I'm going to begin with verse 7. And really the point is verse 18. And uh, we're going to expound from there. Now, if the ministry of death chiseled in letters on stone came with glory so that the Israelites were not able to look directly at Moses' face because of the glory from his face, a fading glory, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? So what's happening here is that Paul is comparing the superiority of the new covenant with the inferiority of the old covenant. He's saying the old covenant was from God and it had glory. But this one is way more glorious. And we're going to find out why. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory. Think about that. Yeah, It had glory, though. Isn't that amazing? The ministry of righteousness overflows with even more glory. In fact, what had been glorious is not glorious now by comparison. Because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was fading away was glorious, then what endures will be even more glorious. Therefore, we have such a hope. We use great boldness. We are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face. So we're not like Moses in a couple of ways. We're not like Moses in the fact that the glory that we carry is not fading. And the other way we're not like Moses is that we don't put a veil over it to keep others from gazing on. It. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> Uh, Do you ever just read the word and you get stuck on a verse and you read it over and over? And every time you read it, you go, wow! And it's just like, you know what I'm talking about? It's like you're drinking from a fire hose. We're not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the Israelites could not stare at the end of what was fading. They couldn't even look at the tail end of... The diminished faded what was left over after it had been fading for a while. That was too much for the Israelites. But their minds were closed. For to this day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains. It is not lifted because it is set aside only in Christ. In Christ, the veil is removed. Even to this day, when Moses read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, how many turn to the Lord? Come on. Some of you aren't raising your hands, but I know that you turn to the Lord and uh, and uh, (laughs) the veil is removed. Now, the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. All right. And here you go. We all with unveiled face are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed Into the same image, from glory to glory, this is from the Lord who is the Spirit. Amen. Now, if you remember the story, God had gathered his people at the foot of a mountain. He was excited. He was so excited. The heart of God was bursting and he was saying, oh, I'm so excited because this has been my dream. You know, this is this is God's dream that he would have a people for himself. That's why he created mankind. And he gathered them all there. He's already done some cool stuff for them. Set them free. Vanquished their enemies. I mean, you know, saved their lives, right? I mean, they walked through some the whole sea parted and then their enemies were drowned and then all kinds of provisions and well and so So what's happening, though, in the story that's being referenced here is that God was saying, get ready, everybody. Come down. I'm going to speak to you. Now, we know what happened. If you've read the story, I'm sure most of you have, uh, that they get to the bottom of the mountain and God begins to speak. At this point, the people of Israel are like, stop. Don't let God talk to us. We're all going to die. And Moses is like, you're not going to die. He's just... He's transforming you right now. That's actually what was happening. The voice of God. He's like, he's putting into you the fear of the Lord. He's, this is good for you because the fear of the Lord will transform you on the inside. And, and so God was speaking to his people through relationship. He said, I want to speak to my people. You're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. They said, no, write us a letter. <laughs> right? Send me a text or an email instead of actually having a conversation. And this this is what they did <laughs> with God. And so the problem with that is much like text and email. It, it doesn't convey. It's not really relationship. It doesn't convey heart. It doesn't convey tone. It doesn't. You can't look into the eyes of the one who's speaking and understand where they're coming from. God is all about face to face. And because it's when we're face to face with God that it see these were slaves. They had slave image in this. They had uh, slave identity. Just tell us what to do. This is what we do. You tell us what to do. We don't want to do it. But we know we're going to get beat if we don't, so we do it. I mean, this is the mentality. It was incredible. You know, it was like 400 years, generation after generation. It doesn't go away overnight. Much like us, when we've been raised in a family or, or in, a circ- in circumstances for 40-something years, and, and then you're kicking your own butt, you know, because like five years along walking with Christ. Why am I still dealing with this? Well, you're being transformed Give yourself some grace. God is moving in your heart and life. But don't be surprised if you don't, like, unlearn or relearn what took you a lifetime to learn in the first place. Just gaze at him. Okay. And so they got what they asked for. Because God will always be as close to you as you'll let him be. And God could have said... God could have said, you don't want me to talk to you, then forget it. You're on your own. But he's like, fine, if that's all I can do, Moses, come back up here. Chink, 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 chisel it in stone. I want you to write the letter on something that represents their heart, Moses. Chink, 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 stone. So he comes down and uh, you know the story. But this... Here is good news. Because it says, that's not us. See, we know that that didn't work out for them, right? And even the New Testament, it talks about how the law is a tutor. What was the law teaching us? That you can't do it. <laughs> that is the essence of what the law was teaching the Israelites. Okay, you, want, you just want the letter? You want the law? Here's the rules. Now, do it perfectly. Now, if you would have just let God speak to you, the voice and the face and the presence would have transformed you and given you the ability to live out what it was, he was actually saying, because the life is in the voice. The life is in the presence of God. Right? It says, by the Spirit we put to death the deeds of the flesh. Not by willpower. It's the presence of God. That transforms me and breaks cycles that I had been so frustrated with myself about. Why do I keep doing things I don't want to do? And then the Spirit of God touches you. The voice of God speaks to you. And suddenly you're having a breakthrough. That's the Christian life. It's called sanctification. Day to day. The process. It keeps happening. It's the renewing of the mind by the truth of God. And so, and so, but what it says here. Is that we all, you and me, here's the difference, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror, or beholding as in a mirror. I want you to think about this. I get excited about it. Okay, are you excited? I get excited about this. The beholding as in a mirror. What do you mean? Why did you choose that language? What do you see in a mirror? Yourself. Yourself. When I look as in a mirror at the glory of God. When I behold God for who he is in his glory and his splendor. He says the word is the Bible says that that glory, that viewpoint, that is a mirror to me that says this glory tells you about who you are. Now, you're not God. You're never going to be God. You're never going to be the Lord. But that is the only thing. It's a big thing. (laughs) It's a really big thing. Right. It's like Joseph, right? You're basically like Pharaoh, Joseph, except you're not Pharaoh. But every single attribute of Pharaoh, Joseph had. All this authority. It's just that Pharaoh had authority over Joseph. Don't ever forget it, Joseph. Because if you do, then you won't have any of the authority that you have anymore. And, uh, and it's, it's relatable. It's actually, it is a type. Okay, I'm going to move on. Oh, we're doing great, actually. So we all with unveiled face are looking into a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image. The same image. Do you know the difference? Okay, transformed. Do you know the difference between conformed and transformed? Conformed has to do with behavior modification. Conformed is an outward form that squishes something into a shape. It's what the world's trying to do to you and me. Which I want to say, it is so important that we as the people of God Get our value system from the Word of God. No matter what is legalized. And no matter what is popular in the political realm. That's all I want to say. Uh, Actually, it's not all I want to say. But, But this is important for you and me. It's important for you and me. Man, I want to go further on that. That's so important. I'm just going to restate it. It's so important that what we believe and what we stand for is that it, it, it comes from the value system of Christ. And it's important that we understand that nothing in this Bible, and especially in the New Testament for this day and age that we are living in, Nothing written in here is archaic, outdated, and any time we think we have a better understanding that wants to edit this word, we have to understand it has to come back here. Amen. Okay. As we engage the world around us, election seasons are coming. I'm not going to get political right. I'm not going to get political. All I'm saying is, let's, let's stay out of the arguments. But let's not be timid about our beliefs. Do you know what I'm saying? And that we get our beliefs from here. Okay. That's all I'm saying. We just got to agree with God. All right. Yay, God. Yay, God. Yeah, this is a side note. The, but but there, there is a spirit. The spirit of the world is, it is a spirit that wants to intimidate you and gag you from speaking the truth. And and well, I don't think we can live the Christian life and avoid taking some flack. Jesus said, a servant's not greater than his master. This isn't even the message today, but it's, I feel the Lord on this. A servant's not greater than his master. Right? There are people that didn't like Jesus. And and so we don't go around trying to offend people. But we do stand as a light. Yeah. And disagreement doesn't mean that you don't love. Even though someone might not love you, you can still love God and love people. Amen. All right. and And so... Transformed. So as we gaze into God, as we look into this glorious image of Christ, you and me are transformed into the same image. And then what does it say? From glory to glory, this is from the Lord, <laughs> who is the Spirit. This is from the Lord. From glory to glory. From one degree of glory. From one level, if you will, if there were levels of a manifestation of Christ into the next level. And and basically what it is describing is that it's not really about levels. It's that the path of the righteous leads upward. It's that it's that your life as a believer, as a son and daughter of God, as a citizen of God's kingdom. Is a continuous Upward growth. From one degree of glory to another. And as we live our lives and as the church of God progresses through the ages, God's ultimate plan is that Christ is revealed more and more clearer. In a more and more glorious way. And the Bible says that's why we have the that's why we have the gifts of Christ. It's until we all come to the fullness of Christ. Amen. All right. Revelation, so the more we gaze on Him, the more we see Him. Revelation in our hearts and minds by the Spirit of God. Do you guys remember, I'm going to read to you, here's a really practical story of, of, uh, of, of discovering Christ and discovering identity. It's a conversation between Peter and Jesus. Okay, and I love this. Matthew, I'm just going to read it to you, jot it down if you want to look it up later. Matthew 16:15 15-19. And He said to them... Uh, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon. Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. and The gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom on and on. What happened there? Well, Peter had been spending a lot of time with Jesus. And, and it's interesting that I don't know exactly how long they'd been walking around with him, but it was in the course of time. And Jesus is like, so guys, let's have a talk. Who, who do people say that I am? Well, you know, some say. And uh, well, but who do you say? And Peter speaks up. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And what Jesus says to him is you're right. And people didn't reveal this to you. This was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. As we gaze on Him, we see Him for who He is. When we have Him in the right perspective, then it's a mirror. Because you're a son and daughter of God, right? I love that African saying, the son of a lion is also a lion. If you want to get really right down to it scripturally, you were not born when you were born again. The first time you were born, you were born under the line of the first Adam. You inherited a fallen nature. Yeah, why am I doing dumb stuff? It's in your nature. But when you were born again by the Spirit of God you were recreated in Christ who is the last Adam so therefore you inherited the you inherited the nature of Christ so holiness is not something you attain by shaping your actions although i do believe that when we read this we obey the word of god but what but holiness manifests as we gain understanding of who He is as we gaze on Him. See, one of the things that's happening in our day is there is a holiness movement that is beginning in the church. It's not a rule based, that's not actually holiness rules. But it's a manifestation of Christ unlike the world has ever seen. In mass. And the way that manifests is by you and me gazing on him with open eyes. Really beholding who he is. As in a mirror, this glory. And then I begin to understand what he has imputed to me. The righteous glory that he has given to me as a gift. By grace. Remember, Paul said to the Galatians, uh, my children with whom I, uh, I am again in labor until Christ be formed in you. See, we're not just, you know, we're not just, yeah, we're imitators of God, the Bible says, but we're not just imitating. We're not just mimicking. We actually are the offspring, says in Acts where uh, Paul was quoting um, a poet or several poets had quoted this one poet. And, uh, and and he said, and he said, uh, for we are his offspring. It's connected to that. In him we live and move and have our being, right? For we are his offspring. You're the offspring of God, which means you're not a human who's trying to be godly. You are a godly one walking more and more into your full identity, which begins to radiate in the earth. And he and says, it doesn't say, uh, so we look as in a mirror, but the Bible doesn't say, you are the mirrors. It says, you are the light. You know, it's the difference between the moon and the sun. You know, it doesn't say, walk in the light of Jesus. It doesn't say that we're going to shine like the moon in the heavens. It says we're going to shine like the stars in the heavens. You know what stars are? Stars are... There, I mean, it's a source. Do you understand? You are a, like, the source is in you, which makes you light. We're going to get into a series, I think, of children of light. In other words, this Christ is the prototype of the new creation. You want to hear something kind of edgy? I think it's kind of edgy. R.T. Kendall said, The time you heard the gospel, and you thought that's too good to be true, that's the time you actually heard it. I love that. It's like the time you heard the gospel, like that's just scandalous. That's too good to be true. Yes, now okay, now I believe you've heard the gospel. Because it is outrageous. Outrageous goodness. What is what is my capacity and your capacity to display The light of God, and the glory of God to the world around us. I believe that the scripture shows us an example. It's called the transfiguration of Christ. I know you're like, but no, he's the Lord. Yeah, but 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 he was the firstborn of all creation as he is. John said, so are we. You're just not the Lord. Don't worry. You're not the Lord. I know that. But the transfiguration where his, his, he, he, he became light in front of them. I just wonder. I mean, I just think we need to take the limits off of what God can do and who, we, who he can be in us and who we can be because of that in the world. It's when we understand that our citizenship is actually in heaven that we begin to represent heaven on earth. We're going to begin to close with this. Christ closed the gap between deity and humanity. You know his prayer? Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth, in earth as it is in heaven. Do you know he was, this, he was standing there as the living example of that prayer? Heaven and earth. What are we made of? Earth. Do you get that? He bridged the gap between heaven and earth, humanity and deity. God and the flesh. Basically, we have received an inheritance of the divine nature within us children of light, and as we gaze on him, we are transformed by this revelation. All sin in the world is is an identity issue because we all live out who we currently believe ourselves to be. That's why it's so important that your definition of you comes from him. And, you know, sometimes when, the, when condemnation is working on the believer. Which, by the way, that's the only people that condemnation tries to work on is believers. Because that voice doesn't go after those who are already condemned. Like, good, just don't wake them up. Think about it. But that voice of condemnation. When that's working on you. It wants to cause you to be like the children of Israel. We're at the foot of the mountain. They go, no, don't talk to us. I'm afraid of what you're going to say and do to us. But my experience. Is that I'm always so glad. Because what he says to me is so much better than what I thought he might say. Even when I thought it was going to be good, it was better. And even when I knew when I pretty much thought I knew what he was going to say, hearing him say it is what was powerful. Ha ha ha. Uh, Would you stand with me, please? Father, we thank you for your love for us, for your eyes towards us. We thank you for the gift of Christ, the sacrifice that you made for us because of your love. Thank you that because he's alive, we're alive. We give you all the honor, all the glory, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.